0: I'm Clayton and I'm Sean and we're men who like men who like movies. We're two queer men who love movies and we love talking about movies and after a lot of urging we started a podcast. <laughs> Clayton, this one is a doozy and it's an incredible film. Uh so what did you pick out for us to watch this week?
1: Well, Sean, I'm so glad you asked. I picked 2004's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, a movie that has broken me for many many years and still continues to today uh i picked this because it's a really a fucking great movie and you know it's 20th anniversary this year i first saw this probably in 2007 2008 um basically right after i had my first breakup (laughs) Um, oh my God. <laughs> uh, there was. Perfect. Uh, yeah. I pretty much like ran away from Alabama to Florida for the summer. And uh, there was like a week straight where I just watched a normal sunshine, drank, and cried. Um, it really cemented itself. And yeah, I uh, just this time also just, oh, I wish, I wish this was a real thing. But also, you know, why would you want to erase stuff? But yeah, it's just. It's complicated and beautiful, and I really love it. And we've got someone to help us out with this today, Ari Drew. Thank you for coming back with us to talk about this film. What's your relationship with it, and why did you choose to come on to talk about this?
2: Well, hi guys. Well, thanks for thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. Uh, this is actually my favorite movie in the entire world. <gasps> yes, um, good choice good forever <laughs> and ever. Yeah, I just it is just one that has stuck with me for such a long time and. I first saw it in you know in theaters uh back in two thousand I guess what is it, two thousand four. Mm-hmm. Um with with a friend. Actually it was with an ex. <laughs> and so nice. it was really uh it was really like there was, was a cathartic a big or vibe awkward going on. <laughs> it was, you know, I think we both left there like kind of feeling like it was kinda of like a nice closure y moment I think that neither of us were expecting. So but yeah, so it wasn't too awkward. We're still very good friends, but um yeah, oh yeah like it's just it's something that i I have gone back to so many years you know since then and shown it to so many people and had my you know my times as well when i've just sat and cried and <laughs> gotten very emo and existential while watching this so yeah it's it's one of those for me
1: oh yeah so sean what's your relationship with it
0: uh so mine is not nearly as uh as deep as both of yours um i didn't see this until later uh i just it was not on my radar i I mean it was on my radar but it was not something i was like oh i have to see that um but i ended up seeing it probably around 2011 so it was really late after it came out but it it broke me of course i'm uh i'm clayton will yell at me for it but i'm i'm i tend to be the softer one of us <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um so i it is a movie that breaks me but it breaks me in such uh, such beautiful ways um and i think it is probably my favorite one of my fa- if not my favorite romance but one of my favorite romance movies ever made yeah, even there. if it's kind of, um, a, <laughs> even if it's <laughs> not always as happy for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I fell in love with it and ever since it's, it's been really high on my list.
1: Yeah. it's one of my favorite movies. Um, I'm guessing from what I'm hearing, we would all strongly recommend this to people.
0: <laughs> well, oh, yeah unless you are like in a real 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 dark spot <laughs> it, might, <laughs> it, might, it might be too much it might it could be a, cat- a catalyst. it could be a, a, an exciting incident <laughs> uh yeah seriously i was watching this last
1: night and was like "This oh, this movie's gonna make me slit my wrist one day i swear to god
2: <laughs> <laughs> well i just think it's one of those really interesting um movies too because there's so much of it that is so like beautiful and and sweet and even amidst like all of the complications of it that it's it kind of depends it's, it's a movie that kind of like for me i guess like the way it makes me feel afterwards depends on how i went into it mm-hmm. so if i like i'm going into it feeling like oh i want to watch this kind of very realistic um portrayal of what love looks like um and then watching it and and feeling you know like again feeling all the feelings and all that and then other times I've watched and I've been like even like the ending which which obviously we'll get to all this but um you know sometimes it's like it's it's hopeful it's less sad than that to, so mm. yeah I think it's it's just one of those really um, interesting complex experiences that I think is just like one of the most fascinating you know just emotionally one of the most fascinating movies I've I've ever seen in my life
1: absolutely absolutely. So before we get into this, I want to plug our Patreon that we've started. Um, when this episode drops, we will have just released our second episode on there, covering uh, Night Swim, great, a uh, great film. Um, <laughs> And uh, next week, we'll have a review on the Mean Girls musical. And then at the end of the month, we'll have a commentary on the original Mean Girls. We've got a $1, $3, and $5 tier. So nothing too crazy. Uh, check it out. There's some good stuff. Patreon.com slash Triple pod with three M's. So uh, are we ready to get into this and work through all of our feelings? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, bring it. Let's go. Let's okay. do it.
1: So, uh, production. This was directed by Michael Gondry and written by Charlie Kaufman, who wrote, you know, Being John Malkovich, Adaptations, Connected New York, and I'm I'm thinking of Ending Things, etc., based on his story with Gondry and Pierre Bismuth. The screenplay won an Oscar as it should be. In his acceptance speech for the best screenplay Oscar, Charlie Kaufman never thanked or even mentioned Pierre Bismuth, and in later years would express a mixture of skepticism and annoyance as to whether Bismuth deserved to share the award or credit for the script. Um, Sounds like a lovely guy from other stuff in the production. The original concept of Eternal Sunshine came from conversations between director Michael Gondry and co-writer Pierre Bismuth in 1998 which came about when one of their friends was complaining about a boyfriend, and when Bismuth asked her if she would erase that boyfriend from her memory, she said yes. He originally planned to conduct an art experiment involving sending cards to people saying that someone they knew had them erased from their memory. He mentioned this to Gondry, and they developed it into the story of the situation that would happen if that were possible. He never carried out the experiment in real life, though, which is probably a good thing. As fascinating as that would have been. (laughs) (laughs)
0: well we know we don't have the science for it yet but like (laughs) would would it just be like oh did you see a hypnotist i guess i don't know i don't
1: know i go through phases where i'm like i wish we had this uh scientific capability but also like It's, it's what makes you gondry approached charlie kaufman with the concept and they developed it into a short pitch which led to a small bidding war Kaufman was responsible for writing the screenplay, did not begin immediately as he was working on Adaptation, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, and Human Nature, the last of which was also directed by Gondry in his directorial debut. After the release of Christopher Nolan's Memento, Kaufman became worried and tried to pull out of the project, but producer Steve Golan made him complete it, although the final script made the studios nervous. Kaufman didn't want to make a science fiction thriller, so he focused on the relationship. He had an enormous struggle while writing, particularly encountering two problems. The memories, Joel's reaction to the memories, and Joel interacting with Clementine outside of the memories, and the fact that the characters could refer to already erased memories in later scenes. He solved these problems by, first, making Joel lucid and able to comment on his memories, and second, by making the memories degrade instead of immediately erasing with complete erasure at Awakening. Kaufman's original title for the screenplay was 18 words long, which I kind of wish I knew what that was. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I look for it. I could find it.
2: <laughs> maybe it's, uh, it might maybe be the actual, uh, just more the whole thing, the, the poem. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, shooting began in January 2003 and lasted for three months on a budget of 20 million, mostly in and around New York City. Virtually all of the most bizarre and fascinating scenes in this movie were created with old-fashioned camera editing, lighting, and prop and set tricks. The use of digital effects was very limited. The kitchen scene with Joel as a child was created with an elaborate forced perspective setup similar to some used by Peter Jackson in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Forced perspective stuff I think is so cool. I don't understand it. It just fascinates me. I love watching it. Kaufman rewrote some of the script during production. So there are several discrepancies between the production script and final film. One fundamental difference between the two is that in the script, Clementine's behavior becomes more robotic as the memories are erased. while in the film, Winslet plays her completely straight. And they removed Joel's girlfriend, Naomi, who is played by Ellen Pompeo, and a character played by Tracy Morgan. Jim Carrey was often frustrated when filming as Michael Gondry would contradict what he was saying to other cast members. Gondry explained that I had to talk to Kate Winslet in a different room to tell her like, go as big as you want. This is a comedy. And to Jim, I'd say, this is a drama, not a comedy. Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet both struggled with fully understanding the memory scenes in the story. It was a challenge to know where you were in the script. He said several times when we were going through the dream memory, I had to ask Michael like, is this lucid or the way it was? During filming the scene where the house washes away, the team built a corner of the house on a beach and allowed the tide to rise. But the team hired to place the set refused refused to, due to perceived danger. Gondry fired the team and had production actors and everyone place the set in the water. The chief of the union reprimanded Gondry in front of the entire crew for that. The Icelandic yes. editor Valdis Oscar also reportedly conflicted with Gondry during the editing process and Kaufman was heavily involved. And it was a very long process, as you might imagine, since they weren't in a rush. (laughs) A little weird fun fact, the little computer that they hook up to the memory erasing headset is an old Amstrad PPC 512 or 640, which was manufactured back in 1988. Fittingly, this uh, computer had a reputation for having very limited memory. The original script featured a cut beginning and ending sequence that took place in the future. In the end, an older Clementine comes in to have the procedure done and a look at her screen shows that she's had the procedure done multiple times and all of them involve Joel. At the end of the script, an older Joel calls Clementine to ask why she hasn't called, but the te- technicians performing the procedure erase his message. Other cuts in the original script include a montage of memories people wanted erased, including a soldier seeing his dead friend on a battlefield, a girl who was raped at a young age. Another subplot dropped from the script was Mary, Kirsten Dunst's character, finding out that Howard made her get an abortion after they had the affair, resulting in her desire to have her memory wiped.
2: Oh, wow. I don't think I knew that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This could have been much darker. Uh, For this wonderful cast, we've got Jim Carrey playing the main character, Joel. And um, I just wanted to point out, during my research for this, I noticed that Ace Ventura... The Mask and Dumb and Dumber all came out in 1994, and I think that is insane. What a year for Jim Carrey. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, he was riding high then. Yeah. Yeah, he was.
1: He was coming off of the Grinch, Majestic, Bruce Almighty series of unfortunate events would come out that same year, and the producers cast him against type, selecting him for his everyday appearance and comedic ability. To induce Carrie's portrayal of a more restrained character, Gondry would not allow him to improvise, a restriction that was not placed on other cast members. Although Carrie did object to this, as you could imagine. Gondry also put Carrie off balance by giving misleading orders or by rolling the camera at the wrong time. He believed that this would make Carrie forget what he should do to be Joel, allowing him to go into character. In a 20- Directors 17-
0: are tricky people. They
1: are. Directors are so <laughs> tricky people. <laughs> in the 2017 netflix documentary jim and andy carrie mentioned a conversation with gondry one year before the shooting began shortly after carrie had a breakup with an unspecified woman gondry saw that carrie's emotional state at the time was so beautiful and so broken and asked that he stay that way for one year to fit the character in the documentary carrie commented that's how fucked up this business is
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. sounds like it (laughs) yeah
1: uh, the original choice for Joel from Gondry was Nicolas Cage. He was unavailable Uh-oh. due to high demand from indie directors after leaving Las Vegas. And then they offered it to Denzel Washington, who was largely disinterested and had trouble following the script. Um, as much as I... I love alternate casting, I cannot see either of those working at all.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Same. I'll be honest with you. There's very few people. I i am so like enamored with Joel. With... the how jim carrey plays joel that like i don't i can't really imagine anyone else playing him like,
1: i think yeah. this is his best performance
0: yeah i agree yeah so i mean i i don't like i love fan castings but i don't it i think this is legitimately perfect casting <laughs> oh yeah this whole movie really
1: <laughs> yeah speaking of perfect casting kate winslet plays clementine krasinski Producers cast Winslet against Type as Winslet had previously been featured in mainly period pieces. After this, we would get Romance and Cigarettes, which I greatly love, uh, Little Children, and The Holiday, then her banger 2008 year with, you know, The Reader and Revolutionary Road. Mm-hmm. She received the role after she was the only actress to offer criticism on the script instead of pandering to the writers. The studio wanted an, and I quote, actress who had just won an Oscar, end quote. Coppin won't say who it was out of politeness, but logically that points to Nicole Kidman or Catherine Zeta-Jones. Uh, I can't see Catherine Zeta-Jones. I could maybe see Nicole Kidman, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Kate, same. Kate's perfect for this. And she was nominated for an Academy Award for her performance. Kirsten Dunst plays Marius Favo and she was coming off of Spider-Man and Mona Lisa Smile. Uh the same year Spider-Man 2 and Wimbledon came out and you know then she'd go on to Elizabeth Town and Marie Antoinette. Mark Ruffalo playing Stan Fink was coming out. Ruffalo?
0: Off of...
1: Ruffalo, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Mark Ruffalo.
0: is <laughs> Stan Fink. Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> coming
1: off of View from the Top in the Cut and 13 going on 30 came out the same year as did Collateral. Elijah Wood as uh, Little Creepy Patrick. This is the first thing he did post Return of the King, which I just think is fun. And then he'd go on to do Sin <laughs> City. He's just really having a fun time in his career. Honestly,
0: <laughs> honestly though, Elijah Wood was just like, you know what? Um, I just made three of the greatest movies ever made. Let me get into another one real quick. Yeah. like, <laughs> And then follow it up by another really incredible film.
3: <laughs> like, <laughs> you like go auditioned Wood-
1: for the part of Patrick. Seth Rogen.
0: I could see that. I could actually see that one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Tom Wilkinson playing Dr. Howard Mearswiak. He was coming off of like, you know, the Patriot in the bedroom. Importance of being earnest. God, I love Importance of Being Earnest. Um, Batman Begins and Emily Rose would come out the next year. He reportedly did not enjoy shooting the film and clashed with Gondry. Gondry sounds kind of difficult from what I'm hearing from this. (laughs)
2: yeah he you know he's a lot of his films at least the ones you know around this era and then a little bit after um you know obviously they come from this really brilliant mind and and who has like Mm -hmm. these really unique visual ideas and narrative ideas and i can imagine too to achieve some of that it involves yeah kind of being a difficult human (laughs) and like just really kind of being a bit like a like a create a, a in full quotes creative type that is yes. just like, yeah we're gonna get this out of you i'm gonna get this out of you however i can and i don't yes. care if you hate me <laughs>
1: you know i it, it worked you know regardless of you know <laughs> how awful right exactly it, it paid off you know <laughs> in a couple small parts jane adams plays joel's friend carrie and I love her so much. Ever since you know, Father, of the Bride, two, and you've got mail. And then in 2009, she got her own HBO series, and's basically been a regular ever since on that network. And was in one of Sean's favorite films of
0: 2023. Yeah, sick. Yeah. love oh, uh, sick. Yeah, yes, sick was it's fun. So good. I more chase scenes, please. That's yes. all I need. <laughs> more so chase just... scenes
2: in horror more yeah, it it scratched that itch like no other movie it in is. a long time yeah. yeah i i didn't think it was perfect but yeah it was
1: really fun
0: yeah i mean it's already dated itself but the, i'm okay with that like it's a for all of its fun i can look past the the flaws yeah. so
1: <laughs> and as her husband rob david cross played him in arrested development had just started the year before and before that, he was just, you know, in a bunch of bit parts and voiceover and in a fun crossover was also in the Cable Guy with Jim Carrey.
0: Also, wasn't this the same year as Men in Black
2: 2? Uh, or was that a couple years
0: in 2.4? Uh, I Men in Black 2, remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was, was before this. Mm. It was 2002. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, my I brain for- is telling me 2002. <laughs> I <hope
1: that's> right. <laughs> we'll go with that. 2002. <laughs> sure. Early I like I, t-
0: I know it's in this timeline. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so are you ready to get into the plot, everyone? Yeah, yeah. let's go. And um, should we tr- attempt to go through this in order or just um, talk about it more generally? Because it is complex.
2: Uh, I think a general... This is one of those movies that there isn't a real easy order it's like yeah, a real, yeah no that's that's what i'm thinking as well
1: <laughs> yeah so uh, god this movie would you guys uh, first of all would you want to be able to erase something like or would you be like uh
2: no yeah, no, um, I wrote a, I wrote an essay on this in college. Again, like, this is a movie I've seen. Yeah, like, I was waiting for you to bring so, this up. So I was like, times. I know you
1: did, like, a big thing on this in college, so.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, it's, and, and I it kind of, like, looked at that question in general and looked at memory and the purpose it serves in our lives, and, you know, it was for a, a philosophy course, so, of course, it goes all the different, you know, down the all different rabbit holes of thinking about, you know, what if and, what would be the utility of this and you know it's kind of interesting because i did i did read an article a few years ago that was um kind of like pointing to uh you know this one research lab being able to like they're getting closer to being able to identify physically physiologically where memories are in the brain
0: oh, and crazy. so someone
2: wrote an article yeah like kind of saying like oh gosh eternal sunshine is going to be real one day and it's you know at the time <laughs> you're just kind of like wow this is such a creative idea uh, it's it's laughable to think of it ever being real, but like more, you know, as as time goes on, who knows? And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that there's so many there's so much about memories, good and bad, that we kind of need to be people and to be ourselves and to grow into ourselves. So, yeah, I, I have I have thought about this usually after a breakup quite a bit <laughs> but uh yeah yeah, yeah. No, no for me as well though
0: yeah i'm yeah.
2: i'm one of those people that's fully in the
0: i don't think you can it it won't make anything as important if you don't have the bad um so having you know like having such incredibly beautiful moments they won't mean as much if you don't have incredibly dark moments with them as well or moments that are horrible or sad or anything like that and for me i i i couldn't do it i even for regrets i would not delete them i would just i i would rather have them and be able to live and learn and and at least respect them for myself Mm-hmm. so for me it's a, it's a no
1: yeah Uh. as much as sometimes I'm like yeah that'd be really nice it just yeah it wouldn't make you you it would take something away that you wouldn't be able to really get back and I will say like <laughs> last night I was watching this and promptly had really awful heartbreaking dreams about someone all night long thanks to Eternal Sunshine Um. but also you know the moment that really really hits for me in this movie, probably stronger than anything else, is when, you know, they're erasing his memories, and he's like, please, just let me keep this one.
0: mm mm-hmm. That's actually so my sad. favorite scene. Yeah. Is when they're under the covers. I actually made, an, in our notes, I made, like, an enti- like we originally just kind of went through all of it, and I was like, nope, this one gets its own section, because <laughs> this is, mm-hmm. like, my probably my favorite part of this movie um and i think it's i think it's exactly it i think that there's always going to be at least one memory that is even in the bad there's the one that like it changes who you are as a person Mm. and it changes everything about you it changes trajectory of your life and if you had to get rid of all of it to get rid of just the bad ones it's just not worth it to me
1: yeah it's really heartbreaking and it's so like this movie just walks such a tightrope of like it's so sad and so hopeful and so funny and so dark like it just touches on all these things kind of like the human experience Mm -hmm. and is really one of the most realistic portrayals of just a relationship the good and the bad and the ugly of it and yeah it just it's so powerful Uh, What do we think of, like, the character of Clementine, who we really only see, like, real Clementine for a little bit in the film? The rest of it is, you know, memory Clementine and Joel's projection of memory Clementine when he's trying to, you know, hide her in other memories.
2: Yeah, no, no, I was just going to say that, you know, this is probably, this is around the time when I was a teenager where I really started getting into, like, you know capital f film and cinema (laughs) like you know really (laughs) wanting to watch like all the oscar nominees and and you know really going to get into like films that are just more you know kind of weirder more interesting just indie stuff and so this is one performance that for me i will always just remember kind of feeling just like viscerally viscerally having a reaction to kate winslet in this role and The decisions that she makes and the type of, you know, complexity that this character has, you know, this is is made up of and just kind of being like, damn, this girl can act. This is so good. And it just kind of blew me away in a way that I think, uh, you know, film quite hadn't quite done um, as you know, for me as a young person in this in this really way where I can feel just kind of a lot of really complicated reactions to watching something and then but liking that and she was a big part of it because she's such an interesting frustrating at times but charming character
1: yeah she's an addictive little bitch. truth be
2: told <laughs> truth be told, yeah <laughs> yeah
1: i mean anybody who's really listened to the podcast probably knows uh but if they don't uh kate wensley is probably my favorite actress like ever um and this i think is top three top three roles she's ever done. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to know the other two, it's um, revolutionary road and the reader. My top three Kate Winslet performances.
2: I'm a big little children. Fan. A
1: little children would be my number four.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I saw that this past year for the first time and I was just like, Oh my God, she's just amazing. And I, one thing I really love about her, she's not afraid to play unlikable characters. In the way that a lot of actors kind of do seem to be, she just like can chew those up and just like the more complicated parts. Like she's just phenomenal. Sean, what do you think of Clementine?
0: Oh, I love Clementine. Um, in all of her complexities and her, uh, her neuroses and everything. You know, she's just one thing I love about this movie is that every character just feels real. Like they all feel like people um mm-hmm. and not every film can say that and uh, so just but she just she comes alive like she brings just such life to clementine that kate winslet's she's not my favorite actress minus sigourney weaver we know. <laughs> surprise <laughs> surprise <laughs> um but yeah she's she's in my top five at least maybe <laughs> Top 30, at least. <laughs> um, but yeah, she just, she plays Clementine with just such, uh, there's so much, there's so much steel, but it's funny because you could see the, the silk underneath. Like there's, yeah, she's... she, she's fragile, but she's like enveloped herself in like armor. Like she's deeply
1: insecure, and... <laughs> but so tough and just. Mm-hmm and all of and it. mean and sweet and just like a fascinating like i think Clementine's one of the most like fascinating characters like i've ever seen
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah the, the with this character too like this there's been a lot of readings over the years just obviously about a lot of aspects of this movie including this character um just because it's it was such a like a unique archetype, I think, that that was represented on screen in this really specific way that I think maybe people started identifying with a little more. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, kind of this just really quirky, eccentric person who's also, like, emotionally really complicated and kind of, like, just doesn't do things traditionally. And and also this, like, um, you know, there is an aspect in my professional life, I work a lot with people with borderline personality disorder, yeah um and that is a big you know a breed people have pulled from it because there are lots of qualities in in clementine that fit that um given you know given what we see in the movie of course that that's it's more complicated than just these few things but Mm -hmm. but i do think that that's you know that's something that i've found is like yeah like she really kind of captures this energy where you can see like like sean was saying like there's this like really like hard exterior that is you know obviously fashioned for a specific reason usually people do that because it's protective right like Mm -hmm. you don't want to be taken advantage of or be you know uh have people be seen as weak or whatever the case is and then there's that other part that's just like but i want to be loved like i do want i want like someone to see me really and to be okay with that and it's just like yeah i think she's just like a beautiful fascinating uh complex representation of a very you know very real people out there and then I there's lots of things in her that I felt you know really drawn to myself especially at different points in my life when I was going through through different things and, and relationships drama and all that kind of stuff
1: yeah I can see so much of myself and aspects of Clementine and in Joel and just like relationships and how they are and it's just it's a kind of confronting like seeing you know parts of yourself that you wouldn't necessarily like admit to or really yeah. see that often And it's just really fascinating. I also just (laughs) like her. My embarrassing mission is that I like that you're nice right now. Um, (laughs) She just yeah, I love it. I mean, Kate Winslet can do so much with a glant in this movie. And Mm -hmm. it's just Mm -hmm. astonishing. One of my favorite moments from her is just like "drink up, young man," and make the whole seduction part less repugnant. Less repugnant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What what a thing to say to someone, and your, and just like the familiarity between her and Joel, and like the idea of like, people just being drawn to each other for like, just the universe just keeps bringing them together, no matter what. Um, is really beautiful and also just kind of sad. Um, what about uh, Joel? How do we feel about Joel?
0: see you say you see more parts of you in clementine i see more of myself in joel or more joel in myself i guess um it, it's so much more of a quiet performance and but there's whereas clementine wears her armor on the outside joel wears his on the inside so he has you know like his kindness right kind of honest kind of has like the silk on the outside, and the steel on the inside protecting him. And I think that's a, an incredible difference between the two. It's because she she projects her armor out, he projects his in. And it makes... I And I tend to do the same. I tend to... You know, like, I'm an <laughs> introvert and extrovert, I guess. Um, <laughs> which is weird. But, so, seeing Joel as... He... It's so much more quiet than what Clementine is, but it's no less powerful. And in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and like
1: even yeah. Joel, like so much of it, it's like, oh, he's nice, but he's also like he's really mean. I and mean, they both, I mean, you can get really cruel to each other as really as a relationship goes on. But
2: yeah, I think it's I think that that's something too that he brings to this Jim Carrey does, and again, like uh, given all you know, despite all the drama with michelle gondry behind the scenes and and like feeling like the you know that this is uh this is fucked up right like being asked to like (laughs) hold on to his sadness and brokenness after having a breakup for a year (laughs) you know like (laughs) all of that i think you know i think some a lot of that is it kind of helped make this a very unique jim carrey performance and and obviously since then he's done you know other dramatic things here and there but um But this is like such a, it was the restraint here. And again, maybe that is because he wasn't allowed to improvise. And Jim Carrey comes from that background, you know, sketch comedy and all that. So um, I'd imagine that was really frustrating. And I also just appreciated at the end of the day, like that they got through this this process so that we could see this because he's just like, he, you know, he delivers that like really, it's kind of like you would see on the outside, this soft bookish, like nerdy, type who's just again yeah it's very nice and, and 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 then there's also this other part of like there is there can be a cruelness there that looks different from Clementine's cruelness um mm. and i think that that's really they both they both just capture that those you know those different poles really 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 well and accurately
1: yeah absolutely um this whole entire thing just Could you imagine finding out that, like, someone you were with for several, like, two years just had you erased? Like, what a gut punch that would be and, like, how you would actually respond to that and just kind of almost doing a knee-jerk, like, well, fuck it, I'm doing it too. And then just regretting that in real time, but you can't do anything about it. And also, something I always wonder when I watch this is if Clementine went through this during her memory erasure, like what that was like for her, if she was regretting it during it.
2: Oh yeah. Like she had her, there's a, another universe where there's her own movie from her perspective of doing this.
1: Yeah. Just kind of running through the rest of like the characters. I think Mary is a really interesting character in this and, you know, kind of the linchpin of the story in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, Her story, I think, is just very sad. Like, all of these characters have such rich lives that you don't necessarily see in a lot of films where, you know, there's not a lot we necessarily get from the characters, but you just feel so much for them and, like, their struggle and what they went through. And her reaction... (laughs) Fuck Patrick. Patrick baby boy I can't just say Patrick (laughs) Patrick. Um, Yeah Patrick is awful Absolutely awful it's so gross
0: Well And I know we're on Mary right now One thing I did want to ask Is in, in this story Mary learns that of course She's had the process done to her Herself and You know and it turns out that all the feelings she still had were still there. They were just she didn't have memories of them. You know so but when she finds out she goes and decides that the she doesn't believe in the procedure anymore and sends out all the you know, all of their case files. Um is would you have done the same?
1: I mean I'm far too lazy to have gone through all that work. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: enough. Well, I just mean like <laughs> I just and and in my opinion, I don't believe in this pro- in what the procedure is, but it's also not my decision to allow someone else to be to 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 make that decision for someone else. Yeah, I think her I heart like. was in
1: the right place. I fully understand that with her being like, "I've done this, and I feel so violated, and it just it's wrong." It finally clicked for her, like what they were really doing to people, mm-hmm. and I don't think it was her decision to make for all of them, but I don't think she was like.
0: Yeah. I know she's not in, in her like, right mind. Yeah. Yeah. I know she's not doing it to her people, but I'm just mean like, eh. yeah. I, well, I think
1: that's just because it's way too much work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> way too much well, mail. I
2: think, yeah, I think it's like one of those things too where it's, um, it's kind of like that, that, uh, ethical gray area, um, mm-hmm. of, you know, where there's like, like people talk about now with AI. It's like you can, you can see the arguments for how this could be beneficial for some people and also like ways that it can be grossly abused and, like really just um, skew the human experience in a way that's not that doesn't feel natural that kind of is probably very confusing after the fact whether people recognize why or not Um, and yeah I just kind of I kind of with her story it's you know just the the recording of whenever she's getting her procedure done And she's basically saying like I don't want to do this, and and Howard is basically encouraging her like No, you have to do this. We've talked about this, and that you know that it's kind of like a a really invasive, abusive thing to do to someone like because you're like again like the the whole the body keeps the score like whether you're the the thing I love about this movie is that this idea of like yeah you can like pull the con you know the content out. But the effects of that content in your life, how you react to different things, even just like feeling an emotional gut reaction when you see a certain person, not even knowing that you've known them before, right? Like it just kind of touches mm-hmm. on the fact that memories go a lot deeper than just like this cellular or, or, you know, neurological level. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why I,
0: you know, when Clementine is with Patrick and Patrick is using. Uh, basically joel's entire relationship with him with her again like he's using it to start a relationship with her she just she looks so incredibly like she looks like she is in a constant state of deja vu and that must be so terrifying uh just to feel like and i think it's one of the it's one of the things i always wonder is is she like subconsciously remembering Like, the relationship that she did have with Joel, like, this just feels too familiar. Like, even if it's not there, it's still there, kind of thing. Mm -hmm.
1: I also find really fascinating, you know, he tries to recreate these moments and stuff. And a lot of these we see, at least through Joel's memory, the actual events happen. And Clementine's reaction is very different both times. And I find yeah, that really like, fascinating. Just, like with Joel, it was special. And with Patrick, it's just, I mean, also there's like the deja vu that I'm sure is there, but it's just like, mm-hmm. it's not the same.
2: Well, also like it isn't. And again, it's like, it's like reducing a relationship down to specific like acts, right? Like, mm-hmm. the okay, well, I'm going to take you to the frozen Charles River. I'm going to do this thing too. I'm going to call you this n- nickname that I don't even know, you know, the context for like where that came from. It doesn't even make sense at that point because he never saw her with or in terror to call her tangerine. So it's like, uh, you know, it's kind of like this idea of It's a like very superficial. And I just love watching progressively Kate Winslet's like how you can see her like subconscious picking up on this and like uh, this is like on paper, probably something I should like. And it just feels off with this dude.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I just want to throw out on the whole Lacuna thing. I find this really fascinating. You know, the company is called Lacuna Inc. Uh, Lacuna means an unfilled space or gap or a missing portion in a book or manuscript. And how perfect is that?
2: I love that. I remember that was something that I that I highlighted in the, the essay that I did up writing about this. And just this idea of like, they're telling you what they're doing. <laughs> they're like upfront with that name. Like they're like, is it? It's like, oh, it's on par with a night of heavy drinking. Well, like technically, it is brain damage. And it's like, yeah, you're like you're carving out these, you know, chunks of people's, of uh, people's consciousness and memory and brain. You know, uh, brain. I mean, who it's they are. Memory. I mean,
1: it's uh, changing who they are.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I was gonna highlight that it's on par with the night of heavy drinking. I mean, I find Howard like so casually cruel with what he's doing. Oh yeah. Just reducing this thing that is affecting people so much that they want to like have their memory erased of something truly heartbreaking. And he's just like, ah, oh, nothing you'll miss. Like,
2: yeah, that's awful. Yeah. And, it's also, it's, and also like being able to like make that judgment for people. Like you, like the, the amount of like narcissism, you know, you have to have, to, to like sell it like this to people too, right? Like who are you to say what someone will miss? What, what event, you know, is going to be more meaningful for their life than another. Um, it's just like, so he, I mean, he's obviously like the villain and he's not, it's, it's because, it's just like the selfishness. It's this idea mm-hmm. of like, I don't want to take accountability for the things that I've done. And so this is my way of dealing with it.
1: Yeah. Uh awful
2: and
0: actually that that kind of leads into one thing i did want to talk about um one scene that always hits me a little bit hard and i know we kind of talked about would we do this or not but what when every time i watch this it hit the scene where joel comes after he's collected all of his stuff of clementine's his and clementine's relationship and he comes back and there's two other people there with theirs and one of them's a pet and the other one it looks like a child um like it 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 just hits differently when it comes to that because when you think of a relationship like oh if this never happened it never happened but like those would be so much more like i don't know that it, it just seems like you said cruel to pick which memories are going to be I don't know how I want to put this, but it it's just it seems like such a a a cruel but heartbreaking moment.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I I get what you're saying. Like it's just kind of this idea of looking at all of these, the you know the the spectrum of the types of really kind of like mental trauma and and things that people are bringing that they're wanting to address through this procedure, and kind of and it it kind of puts things into perspective a bit too, right? Like you're sitting mm-hmm. there like upset about this, uh, you know, an ex because you had a kind of a toxic relationship and you just want to forget them and it hurts and it, and it's painful. And then you're looking over and people have like literally lost, you know, people who are no longer on, on earth, you know, they're not alive anymore or, or like, you know, even pets. Cause again, my pets are my babies. So yeah. I know that, I know y'all get that, you know, so that, that, that type of uh, connection. So it, yeah, it, it's, it's even crueler to think about that because you can kind of see, on one hand, how like, oh yeah, what, this could be interesting. Yeah. Okay. Like Mm -hmm. I could understand why someone would develop this technology and how it could be useful. And then again, it's just kind of like doing all of that work before ever considering the, you know, the ethicality of what does it mean to have, you know, to deal with grief and loss and what would it look like instead to not ever have to do that because you don't remember it, you know? So it's, uh, Yeah, that scene, whenever he goes in and you're just seeing the different types of, you know, what's going on. And then there's like one scene, too, where it's like a woman who's crying and she's getting the procedure done in in the room. And it's just it looks so like it's like comic, like comical, how kind of ridiculous it looks with that big helmet and Mm -hmm. crying at these pictures or whatever being put in front of her. And then it's also just like, God, this is like exploitative therapy. Like, it's so it's just so weird.
1: And, like, obviously, you know, if you lose a child or a pet, that grief could be so much. You could impulsively, like, go do this. And then you wouldn't even, I mean, I feel like that's something you would come to regret, but you wouldn't even know about it. It just is mm-hmm. really, really, really horrible. Yeah, uh,
0: that's exactly where I think is, like, could you imagine losing every, you don't just lose the bad. You don't just lose everything you're feeling now. You lose everything. Like, you lose every moment of joy, every moment of of. Of, of happiness of of anger of sadness of of, of just laying in bed or t- you know taking somebody to the store you lose everything and losing all of that just for for a feeling now it, it, it's just it, it's incredibly sad and just kind of horrible mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's a really upsetting um do you want to talk a little bit about some of the comedy of this film
2: oh yeah yeah this is like something too like uh, that i think is um really fun about the movie too because again it's like we said earlier like it really you know you run through some genres here like within the span of a five minute (laughs) sequence you know it could be very sad and also very quirky and also really funny and it's and also very sweet. Like I remember this, this was like, this movie was my entire personality for the end of my high school experience, and <laughs> like into college, like I had my, um, my online journal, I think I used like Zanga at the time. And it was like all like the, the John Bryan soundtrack would play and my background was uh, Joel and Clementine and you know, where, it, where they have like the blue light on them and they're, they're kissing towards the end are Mm -hmm. about to kiss and it's like you know that whole vibe And, and also like it just kind of spoke to me like from a comedic standpoint because there's so many things about it that i still quote to this day like that are just funny like there's a there's a line where um david cross is uh he's like making all this noise after joel finds out he's been erased and, uh, and Jane Addams is like, give it a rest. And he's like, I'm building a birdhouse. And just the way he <laughs> says it is so fucking funny. And so I used to just like randomly say that to people when they're like, hurry up or come on. We got to do this. Like, I'm <laughs> building a birdhouse. <laughs>
1: uh, I will say I love Kirsten Dunst stoned acting. It oh, yeah. <laughs> so funny. And just like, what if he wakes up? all will have baked. All, all gooey and half baked. Mm, that sounds good. <laughs> it sounds good. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> she wants the
3: ice cream.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and even just like some of the really fucked up stuff. Like, again, like as far as the gamut, like he's, when in Joel's memory, he's like, you know, I'm erasing you and I'm happy. A perfect ending to this piece of shit story. It's like really angry and sad. And then, like over top of him, Patrick's talking about, you know, Clementine and how he's like done his thing. And they're just like, Patrick, you stole a girl's panties. And then they both just like burst out laughing.
2: Laughing. <laughs> and then it goes
1: into like the whole flea market sequence. So they're like, you know, you really think you could take care of a kid? I'd make a fucking great money. Like it just goes through this gamut in like a two minute time period. And it's just like a whirlwind of feelings. And this movie just like does that in a way that I don't really think I've ever seen before or since
2: i was just thinking because of that that one bit like just hearing clementine yell i'd be a fucking great mother i love kids (laughs) it's like okay (laughs) that's believable
0: (laughs) good enough for me (laughs) also i just wanted to mention i love how much kirsten duns really just hates patrick (laughs) too you know she's got good <laughs> like, instincts <yeah>. i guess <laughs> yeah she like she just was like oh didn't you didn't want, want any, did you, patrick? <laughs> <laughs> like, she's just like now bye get out <laughs> yeah she
2: can't be bothered with patrick she does not like that boy <laughs>
1: i do feel I bad mean, for mark ruffalo though like
2: no i just think he it's it, yeah that, that's that's one of that that little relationship that they have there and he's just kind of like the second choice you know like she has yeah. that crush and on, they're so on cute Howard. together
1: like they really seem yeah. like they'd be good for each other and just it's so heartbreaking at the end when he's like you know i I saw you one time you kind of giggled and she's like how did i seem you know you seemed happy and it just it's really heartbreaking just for everybody involved except for patrick fuck patrick
2: yeah patrick Patrick baby boy irredeemable because he just sucks and and howard too like yeah yeah Yeah. that that um that part of the end just kind of like did you know and it's like well it looked like you know, like, you looked happy, happy with a secret. Like, it's, it's this idea of, like, you know, th- like, really starting to think about what is the implication of this place where I work, like, on people's lives. Like, what is, mm-hmm. like, what is this, actually? Because, yeah, they're, like, laughing about it the whole time. They're, like... Frying this dude's head, you know, and it's... Dancing on top uh,
1: of him in their underwear, like...
2: Exactly, getting high as fuck and, like, totally partying while this guy is, like, fighting for, <laughs> for memories and stuff in, in his mind. And, like, uh yeah, like, it's just... It's really interesting because, yeah, you do find yourself laughing and then, like, when it, all, when it all comes to a head, it's like you recognize, like, uh Mark Ruffalo's character, like, Stan, like, being like, wow, yeah, this actually... What we were doing is really fucked up because it, it really has the capacity to hurt someone, including someone that I care about, you know, Mary.
1: Yeah. Some of their fights that they have are so specific and just kind of like, and seeing Joel's thoughts as he's going through the memories, like when they're at the restaurant, he's like, oh, she's going to be drunk and stupid now. Mm -hmm. It's just so like, when you've been with somebody and just like all these little things just start making you furious and, you know, later, like, when we hear the recording, like, I was embarrassed for her in public, you know, the way she'd say library, library. And it's just, like, all these little things. But, like, they also had a lot of really good moments. And I think they really did love each other. And then at the end, you know, just siding, like, let's try it again. Like, fuck it. Um, it's just so beautiful.
2: Mm-hmm. I, lo- I love that. The fights, though. man. Oh, there's some fights in here, like just some of the the you know the phrases they use at each other and some of the insults Ooh, i remember like watching that like that was actually a big part of when i watched it like what emotionally impacted me was like those moments of recognizing oh this is like not a fight about you know leaving the hair on the soap or whatever you know it's about all these other things and you're just repressing it and you're just resentful and being able to like relate to that, like, you know, over time, just getting so resentful of this person that you're choosing to be with because, you know, the, the bad the bad times were were pretty bad. They were pretty challenging. And, and the ways that we like attack each other when you're feeling threatened or feeling like, you know, no, I'm not going to lose this fight. Like it's you just can tear at people their the fibers that make them who they are. And it's, you know, seeing them do that. It is it is really sad, too. Like, I just love that we get to see the whole spectrum of, of that between the two of them.
1: Yeah, and they're so casually cruel. Yeah. I think that's the thing that just really is like, oh, this feels so, like, almost uncomfortably real. Like, yeah. like I really love the movie Closer and oh, the yeah. fights that they have with each other. But it's, like, such a heightened thing that it just is, like, really funny when you know Julia Roberts is screaming like we do everything that people who have sex do like mm-hmm. it's really horrible and funny and those are like you know kind of accurate representations of fights you can have but it's just such a different thing to seeing this whole gamma of a relationship especially played in reverse the way we do see it from like the really awful times to the really sweet beginning and i don't know it's just so masterful like this is one of the best scripts like yes. ever i really honestly great oscar win
2: i I was gonna say i remember i remember like um just feeling this being one of the one of the times growing up where i was like wow like i would love to be able to write something that pulls together all these themes and these interesting perspectives in this really creative like genre-y way like it's a sci-fi movie really i mean and, and uh, yeah it's just one of those scripts that i'm like this is like peak screenwriting for me oh yeah right one of my one of my favorite things is uh we've been
0: talking about how joel is kind of like the nice guy a little bit um or he you know seems like the nice guy and, and he i love the he's juxt- a nice guy yes exactly and i love the juxtaposition because like right before you see their final fight he's like i'm the nicest guy she ever went out with and then his last words to her, I assumed you fucked somebody. Uh, is that, is that, that how you like get you. people to like you? To like you. Oh. And it's like, that is, that, you know, it? it's literally, he knows exactly what to say to her to cut to the bone. And he did it. And I mean, that's how you it. are.
1: Like, you know somebody so well, you know how to twist the knife and how to hurt them.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that Yeah. I, I even think, like, too, like, the idea, even from this just kind of, Pulled back perspective of clearly she is someone who has like a lot of emotional challenges, psychological challenges, like interpersonal challenges, and it's like he's not an idiot. Like I'm sure you see that, and to you know, kind of someone being fully in their you know pathology in the moment when they're fighting. And right, we're not in our best states when we're when we're doing this when we're having these like off-the-cuff arguments that just anything that comes out of your mouth will, you know, that that, that can will. And, and it's, um, but it's like this idea of almost him, like, I'm like, I know you recognize at this point that this is her, like, being fully in her, whatever her, you know, her internal complex um, psychological issues are. And even knowing that, you can still say these very pointed things that are really kind of highlighting some of those insecurities and weaknesses and do it like without a second thought. Like, it's just kind of like if you have a, you know, a partner who is really self-conscious about their body and then in a fight you throw out a barb about their body. Like, that is fucked up. That is so cruel. That's like, and I think that that's really, those are the moments when you start seeing in Joel, like at least Kate, you know, at least Clementine it's putting it all out there it's like it's on the surface like you know what you signed up for you know look at her look at how you told him like
1: immediately from the beginning
2: yep
0: well and one thing i also really think is another really telling thing is in near the end of the film when they're they're in their second meeting and he she she says you know her you know too many guys think that i'm a concept or i complete them or I'm, i'm gonna make them alive Uh, and i'm just a fucked up girl looking for her own peace of mind don't assign me yours he goes you know even after that i thought you could save me and i i that's the moment where like at least for me i realized like oh he he yes he loved clementine but he was also in love with the idea of clementine and i think that it which is something i think
1: she's gotten a lot through her life
0: exactly so and it just makes you know like I I'm glad how the story ends, but like they had to get to this to in order to find that I think. Mm-hmm. So they had to they had to break each other apart in order to mend maybe mend the pieces back together a little bit better. Yeah.
1: And the really yeah. tragic thing about it is because like you kind of know like this cycle is just going to play out again for them, even though it is like it ends on that hopeful note, but like they're still the same people they haven't necessarily changed they don't remember what's happened obviously they have their like files and stuff which would already bring in some like baked in resentment like okay this is what you thought of me Mm -hmm. Um, yeah
0: but but you're see i'm gonna push back with you a little bit on that one because you're you you're always a glass half empty kind of guy and i'm more of a <laughs> yeah, and i'm more of a glass half full kind of guy where i'm an optimist um <laughs> go through and a yes, few more
1: breakups sean <laughs>
0: um well i just i mean in general in life it's it, even even in my darkest days i try and find something light but yes they do they hear the worst of what the other thought of each other and like he said like she says at the end you know like you will find things you will find these things like they are there they're going to happen and then he says okay and they've already learned what happens when they've done bad and now they can i'm in my optimist heart i hope they can grow past it because now they know what they know a little bit of what went wrong the first time Mm
2: -hmm. like they I agree with you and because it's kind of like you, you, it's not, it's not literally dooming them to just literally repeat the first round of dating because right. they do have more kind of like a doc, you know, documents and like a put together narrative of what actually happened, what seemed to go wrong. Um, and being willing to do it, like to say like, yeah, I will, um, go through all that again. If that's fine, if I can have the good, and, and and keep it this time, and I think that that's beautiful. Like that's it is beautiful. beautiful. It's 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 like I remember we used to have. Um, I used to have the conversations with my friends. Like I would rewatch this with a couple of friends in high school, in college, and um, we would have conversations about like if this is a sad ending or if it's a happy ending or if it's. And I think that the <laughs> yes. reality is, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's the answer is yes. <laughs> it's <a problem>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like this, like you know, this this middle ground, this gray area of two things that feel like they can exist, like in the same space can, you know, it's like you can love your partner and be horribly annoyed by them, you know, at times. So, you, you know, it's kind of this idea of like, yeah, this can be really, this can be looked at as really kind of like, oof, okay, well, they, they're willfully walking into something that they know will probably be really challenging, because they have evidence of that. And they're still willing to, you know have have that human experience like being willing to t- to take that ride as opposed to saying no look clearly didn't work before we just gotta like separate we gotta like go our separate ways and they're both willing to do it like i think again at the end of the day like that to me ultimately i think that what it sat with me as after years is it, it's it is more hopeful and i you know and i'm and i'm not historically like an optimistic person i a very like <laughs> emo kid at heart and you know a lot of Debbie Downers and <laughs> across different periods of my life but um but yeah I think like this the the big thing that I've taken away from this movie over the years is um is like the the gray areas like we you know the 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 peaks and then the valleys of life are all necessary and it's kind of like do we choose to live then because what that can be that can be like really depressing for people to recognize like yeah there are going to be times when you are going to be in so much pain because something happens that sucks really bad or you lose people or you know you you have like a major disappointment or something like that and like it's kind of highlights how it's brave to be a human and to live life and to try to keep pushing through even knowing that and that's what i really love i just love that about this ending because because sean similarly like that's where my mind goes now when I think about
1: it. I go back and forth on it. Like, again, it kind of depends on my mindset when I'm watching it <laughs> on if I find the ending hopeful or bleak. Um, and clearly you see where mine's at now. But I mean, if I'm being 100 percent honest with myself, like I do find it really beautiful because even those things that there are times that I'm like, I wish I could just erase this person. And depending on whoever it is at this point in life, uh, I know who that is now, but um, if it really came down to it, I wouldn't want to erase that because like that would be so tragic. And even if, you know, that had happened, like I would a hundred percent go through all that again because like Mm -hmm. do a special. And I just want to point out something like Mary says to Stan that is just like, such a skewed thing, but also really accurate. She's talking about, you know, Lacuna and she says adults are like this mess of sadness and phobias and howard just makes it all go away, which is like basically a therapy shortcut. Like
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't just yeah.
1: skip the you can't skip the process. It's not gonna fix anything.
2: Exactly. Like and, and not if you expect it to actually do what it's supposed to do when we do that. Like I, you know, again given what I you know, my my professional life outside of film stuff uh, seeing that a lot working with people through trauma is it's such a rewarding thing and it's like one of the hardest things you can ever do as a human is to really just kind of like have a look at these these parts of yourself that have been disavowed or been completely like you know you 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 set up rules like nope I can't feel that I don't want to think about that that's not that's not going to be good and the more we do that the more they those things get become more like monsters like they become bigger and bigger until finally they're shouting to be acknowledged and i think that that's really what it is like whenever you do go you know you do work on yourself in therapy or whatever you know wellness journey you take that's a big part of it is is um the work and the process of sitting through the discomfort recognizing hey i can do all of this and look i'm still here i'm still alive i'm still a person that that is really like a powerful catalyst for change and again like if if this is basically just saying like, that's too hard. I don't want to do that. Let's take a shortcut. And that's what I really like about this kind of, uh, the concept in general, because <clears throat> yeah, you're right. Like, uh, Clayton that this is, it's like therapy. it's like a shortcut, shortcut therapy without any understanding or consideration for what it is that makes that actually work for people who do choose yeah. to, to go through it and, and work through that stuff.
1: Yeah, you know, and come out on the other side, like you can't just skip mm-hmm. that work because you haven't learned anything yep, yeah. at mm-hmm. all, or come to a greater understanding about yourself or life or other people. Um, one thing we haven't mentioned that we, I feel like we need to talk about is uh, some of the visual styles of this movie and some of the way mm-hmm. that they show memory and it being erased and uh, just stuff in the past and everything and how it kind of shows you more about these characters like you know the flashes to Joel's little baby Joel um, mm-hmm. and everything I still don't understand how they did like 90% of this movie um, and as a stoner I really appreciate this film because it's just like <laughs> well this is so trippy and some of like the sound design things they do are just so crazy um, do you remember like how you felt about all that stuff that first time you saw it
2: yeah, I, I, um, I mean again, it's it's one of those like technically that I was just blown away from because I had never seen anything like it, and they're like it's it's very much like um something I notice now in in other like if I see another movie that kind of utilizes this really fantastical imagery, but there's like a sense of humor to it and almost like cartoon like, um, it's it I think I'm like oh that's very Eternal Sunshine like visually yeah. like I've I've used that phrase a number of times <laughs> when watching some other things and. Um, yeah, it's just one of those movies that I'm like, it's like this, it's so interesting because a lot of the content that's, you know, at this, under underneath all of it is really sad. You know, we're talking about love and being lost and breaking up and, you know, not feeling lost after that and not knowing what to do with yourself. And, and it's like with this, presented with this really, again, like cartoony veneer of... <laughs> of visuals like it's just so colorful it's so wacky it's like the scenes like whenever they're um you know going through the memories back in the um in lacuna and like people's eyes are in the wrong spot on their face Uh which is also
1: like deeply horrifying
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly it's just so it's it's really nuts like the the different ways to represent this kind of like dream logic um vibe but i think it just go it just you know say what you will about his his behind the scenes persona or whatever, but Michelle Gondry gets, he really has a good eye for for these kind of like really just engaging visuals that kind of make you, you you have fun with it. Even whenever the shit happening is really sad, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. It's uh, just like one of my favorite things is like when he's talking to her, like near the end of the film, when he meets her the next day, you know, when she has the, I'm just a fucked up girl speech and all the mm-hmm. books just have the titles just like disappearing and they're just blank mm-hmm. as the memories are just like more and more details are just gone
0: one of my favorites is when he's trying to turn patrick around at the Ugh. and like I it just, just keeps so showing upsetting. the back of his head <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> because he, he he never saw his face so he can't give it a face <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> yeah yeah and also, also too like representing that like the, how do you represent that visually right like you had a memory but you didn't have all the, the pieces, right? So it's like, yeah, how would you remember that? Well, you couldn't remember the face, right? You can't remember a face you never saw. So it's uh, I love that they how they do that. But yeah, it is like there are moments like that that you're just like, well, that's just like it's funny. But it's also like, oh, that's creepy looking. Like, yes. <laughs>
1: yeah, I just I will say I think it's very, very sweet and very funny and also very sad. All the stuff with little I'm just going to call him baby Joel. Um, it's it's, so it's sort just sort of like, warped <laughs> yeah my crotch is still here <laughs> uh, I just love like before you know they go into him trying to hide her in the memories and he's like you know I can't remember anything I thought you <laughs> it's very sweet but try okay that's um, very sweet yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but just like the thing with the bird and the kids just being so cruel and it's a really really sad but then it also like has this tinge of humor where he's like you know you're whatever and then the boy just like twists his arm and she's just like come on you're not he's not worth it joel and drags him off like it's just really oh, precious because yeah. it's like the he's getting this, yeah he's like getting this clarity over something that happened as a child but also like now that's erased
2: it's Ooh, gone yeah yeah i don't think i've ever thought about that particular thing like this childhood memory being one thing that gets erased because that's where he goes like again like he, he goes to try to protect the you know the clementine memories and it's kind of like that that makes it even worse because like then it's it's that these technicians are chasing you know where he's going in his in his memory and just zapping shit and it's stuff that like it's not even it has nothing to do with clementine and, and they're just, like, removing childhood memories, essentially, and probably really formative ones, too. And so, yeah, I don't think I've ever really thought about that particular scene and the fact that it's, like... And then, and then it gets erased because of the nature of what they're trying to do.
1: Yeah. Um, I will say there's something that I think is really cute and I've always wanted to do. You know, when they're watching uh, <laughs> the movie at the drive-in theater, but they're, like, outside of it and they're just, like, doing the dialogue making up what they're saying like Mm -hmm. my god there's people coming out of your butt (laughs) butt. (laughs) (laughs) like it's just it's such a cute little moment of just like hey let's just go have a fun night and then just going like it's so sweet and precious and just like especially contrasted with all of the really horrible moments we've seen and then the really tender moments like her talking about the doll she had this ugly doll and she named it Clementine and was like if I could just make her pretty um it just—I don't know—the way this movie just captures like the full gamma of the human experience is just really powerful, and I don't know I just <laughs> just have a lot of feelings. Um.
0: <laughs> well, and it's it's also funny because you start this movie and you're the I I distinctly remember the first time I watched this and I was like, oh, like this is this is going to be one of those movies where like. They had a horrible, horrible relationship. Like they should never get back together. Like they're getting back together just for the sake of the movie. And this is not in that in that realm. Like you know, I, I there's have you seen Five Hundred Days of Summer? No, um, I have not. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I love. That well, movie. yeah, <laughs> I and, have, however, seen he, the
1: last five years, which also I think. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, <laughs> also yes. depressing. Okay, it'll, 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 it'll give you kind of the same. Yeah, but like those are movies where like it's not a good relationship like and you're no offense to spoilers for 500 days of summer but like (laughs) like it's not a good relationship like you're not watching something that was ever really healthy and like Mm -hmm. it it's funny because i when i started watching this i was like oh like i mean they're not even that like great together like but then you as they develop like it because you're going backwards you end up falling in love with the two of them separately and then together and i think that's also it, it's an important reason for why i love this is because it's they're both unlikable at the beginning of this <laughs> like a little bit Ooh, you know so like it starts in off with some them ways. at
1: their worst
0: exactly so i oh, i do love the fact that you get to fall in love with who they are as people and not just the relationship itself
1: And really understand why they fell in love with each other, even having (laughs) seen all of the horrible stuff at the beginning, which I think is a really interesting way to show it. You know, like, again, like I just mentioned, the last five years, it starts, like, you know, one person starts at the beginning, one person starts at the end, and, like, in the middle of the movie, it meets and goes, you know, the other way. So you kind of see it simultaneously, beginning to end. And a lot of dream logic things are really bizarre that just kind of jumps all over in time. And so I think the decision that they made just specifically okay we're going to start off at the end like they have to work through recent memories all the way to the beginning so by the time it gets to the point that it's when they met and you know very frankly she's like you know this is it i'm going to be gone soon Mm -hmm. i mean it just like punches you in the stomach of like what that loss really means and it's just so powerful
2: yeah one thing that i um that i focused on whenever Uh, when I did my essay is I I was in a a philosophy class at the time that um, we were talking about, you know, reading, reading like Plato and and things like that. we were reading uh, Plato's Republic and there's a story in there um, and it's like an Aristophanes, I believe, but it's basically this idea of Zeus cutting, you know, human beings because he thought they'd be too powerful um, and take him over. So he cut them all in half. And so it's this idea of like people, spending their life looking for the other half that that makes them feel whole. So it's like kind of, the, you know, some of the earliest ideas around soulmates, but, um, you know, and it's kind of like this uh, invisible string, right? Like tying two, two people together over time. And, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, the, I think that's really highlighted here in the ways that there's this kind of familiarity and recognition when they encounter each other and there's like this quick connection, it's like what we would just talk about, like, Oh, we have chemistry. Like it's just there. You could just feel it. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it reminded me of that. And this, I, you know, this idea of people being like, like magnets, like drawn towards each other, no matter what, even whenever you just kind of like, you're trying to start over, you're trying to pull away and do your own thing. And it's this idea of the universe kind of saying, Nope, you need to, there's something there. And I don't, and I don't believe in, in soulmates. I think, um, you know I think that's a that's not the really the point of this story either but um, but I, I remember just writing about that and talking about that and and I think that that's a really beautiful kind of way of looking at why is it that they you know that they keep coming back to each other in this way or that they were able to come back to each other despite all of that even with no memory of one another
1: yeah it's almost one of the things I do find that really helpful because they've both had the other one completely erased, no memory. Mm -hmm. And they both end up in Montauk on the same day and meet each other and instantly are just right back there. At the, basically like how they started out. Like it's that same type of like chemistry and kind of antagonism that's very funny and cute and him just being kind of like hit with this whirlwind of a person. Mm-hmm. and uh, her kind of recognizing his steadiness and be like, I don't understand why I like this. This honestly is annoying, but, you know, I do kind yeah. of like it. That it still, after all of that, they still found each other. It is really yeah, beautiful. She,
0: from their first meeting, she's just like, I'm going to marry you. I know it already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to
2: marry you. And it's just like, wow. <laughs> she's just like, and then she's like, she's so aggressive with him, right? Like, she's like really just imposing herself on him like getting really familiar really quickly um one of my favorite favorite moments that i think just kind of highlights their dynamic is uh his first story of how he met her at the beach um and and he's like eating a hamburger and he's like and then she just took it <laughs> like it's yeah, like yeah, she took a piece of his this, chicken he was like it was so intimate. Like or the, we the chicken the lovers. chicken yeah the chicken <laughs> She's like, can i i think what did she said can i borrow your chicken or something yeah just can just i borrow it. a piece of your chicken <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: and it is so and what's so funny is like she doesn't feel necessarily like kate once is just so talented because it doesn't feel necessarily like a lot of people like she is being very aggressive but it doesn't feel like she's necessarily coming off too strong she just seems like such a like interesting free person with like a different way of looking at the world
2: yeah yeah like i think it, it could it could come across in some places like being just very like creepy in, in its own way and like oh gosh you're so intense like oh this is a lot but it doesn't the, the way that she it just feels like she's she exciting it, and
1: spontaneous yeah. and just... yeah
2: it's like it's you could see why someone would be drawn to someone like that like someone like joel would be drawn to someone like that yeah. because it really is this kind of other side that of life that he doesn't he's not familiar with.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, absolutely. And and he says that he actually says that in their second meeting when right after she's like, you know, like I'm not a concept. Like he's like, you know, you really do have the world peg. Like mm-hmm. and she's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I do. <laughs>
3: like, yeah.
0: Probably. <laughs> she's she's clearly she she knows people. Uh
2: maybe not social morris, but <laughs> but she knows <laughs> <Right>. people. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I love that too because it's like there's like this authenticity to that, you know, that perspective of now like going through life that way. And oh yeah, like I can imagine like what would it be like to walk through, you know, your days and just kind of connecting with people very intimately, very quickly. Um, which again, like you can pathologize in a lot of ways, and and certainly that happens with, um, you know, people who especially who have like borderline personality disorder, and that is you know the interpersonal stuff is. Um, is often you know looked through in that lens like oh are you forming these relationships too quickly you're quickly idealizing this person And then I think it kind of just challenges it though because it's kind of like, well there isn't it isn't all bad right like dealing with living life that way like she has had memories that she that she liked you know she had experiences that she enjoyed. So yeah, I think it's just kind of like it's really it's cool to see these moments of them just kind of fully being, themselves and on the opposite ends of the spectrum of living and and watching how they how that um enables them to connect it's just oh i just love that so much
1: even perfect relationships which you know there's no such thing as a perfect relationship but right you know people fight and you can get nasty in those fights but it doesn't take away from you know the love so yeah they were really nasty to each other and i'm sure like you and trace have said nasty things to each other i've said nasty things to people i've had Mm -hmm. nasty things said to me yeah But it doesn't necessarily, like, I think it deepens those things. So, yeah, we see all these horrible moments between them. I'm sure there are many more that we didn't see and also many more happy moments we didn't see. But also, like, we see how they are good for each other because he's so timid with life and she's so out there. Like, he's kind of a balancing thing for her and she helps get him out of his shell. Like, you do see how they could be really good and people just do get frustrated. They might need some couples therapy or something or just therapy in general to work on themselves yeah. But um, it's just fascinating. And what really kind of breaks my heart is in his memory, you know, at the bookstore when everything's disappearing and he's like, you know, it would be different if we could just give it another go around, mm-hmm. which is one of those things, you know, you think a lot kind of after a relationship when you're in those like the what ifs, the what ifs are mm-hmm. always a dangerous place to go, but the hopefulness in that and just like, wishing you could get a second chance at things, but you know, in this situation, like, you know, there's not a chance they've been completely erased, but they do get it. They do get another opportunity with all their cards on the table. You know, they've heard, you know, in conversations that they wouldn't have had with each other, them saying very frankly, all the things that they thought about the other person and they both heard that. Um, it's just, it's tough. And again, like the whole tape we hear from Mary, is so heartbreaking, so heartbreaking.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I mean, even just like uh, like I said earlier, the idea of of her expressing how she just doesn't want to do this, and this man is basically making her do this for her own good and for his really for his own good. But it's like, yeah, like that's the that's the part that's tough to uh, in this whole thing. I think it's just that when you real it's kind of like in for what we call like so whenever you do like um medical procedures or you have like any kind of treatment um you know you have like consent like i know in psychology we have informed consent so basically it's mm-hmm. this idea of explaining to someone this is what this is and you're signing this saying you understand this process and you know what that at times it may be difficult and this is just kind of the norm here but it's like um this reminds me of that because it's kind of like hey you did not get a clear picture of actually what what this is really gonna mean for you. Um, and so, Mary's like kind of the example of of that. It's just kind of like, just do this thing, it's good for you. Um, and there's no explanation in the long run or no like, you know, no no covering or acknowledging and these other things might also happen as a result and that could suck. Um, you know, it's like there is no, there she, there was never a chance for her to really consent to it because it was never explained to any of these people, I think in 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 the accurate way that it actually uh the magnitude
1: of what that means yeah. and i think the moment you know when howard's wife you know catches them and she's like you know i'm so sorry it was just, i'm just a stupid crush and everything and even his wife's like you know don't be a monster howard
2: oh you yeah tell the like, poor girl can, yeah yeah
1: you can have him you did i, I remember the first time i saw that of just like what a oh my god like jaw oh. drop <laughs> yeah how awful that is and the implications of all that and everything and just like Mary's face and just all of it is just so awful like absolutely awful 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 thing to do and again even with them you know as a reflection of Joel and Clementine is this idea of like fate and being drawn to someone no matter what like she had everything removed obviously Howard did it but it still ended up like that those feelings still came it's still you know, not like an affair affair but you know she still ended up kissing him at this house Mm -hmm. even though she had just had sex with stan like those feelings are still there like no matter you know the memories are gone but like you said the body the body keeps a toll Mm
0: -hmm.
1: what else should we talk about on this
0: mark ruffalo and tidy whiter's
1: uh, yes, can we talk about Mark <laughs> Ruffalo and Tidy Whitey's and his absolutely adorable little bet? Um, one of the little things that, I that to he gives us.
2: <laughs> God, I love that, man. I just saw Poor Things recently, and he's just like, he's so good. He's just such a great actor. And, I, you know, it's it's like the, the whole marble thing. You know, you forget sometimes that some of these people, they do other things too, right? Like, they can do, like, these, like... <laughs> really cute dramatic things or really wacky things or whatever um but yeah no he is just so precious um in this movie i this was the first thing i think i remembered ever seeing him in um and i just i fell in love with him i thought he just like was just so handsome and then yeah the dancing and the tidy whities never a bad thing to see (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so yeah big big uh ruffalo stand here
1: I just want to lay my head on his hairy chest and just play with his chest hair. I feel like the first thing I saw him in was that movie he did with Reese Witherspoon.
2: Oh, um, uh, just like heaven.
1: Just like heaven, yeah, just yeah. Just yeah. like heaven, thank you. Not a great movie, but uh, yeah, I think that was my first introduction to, introduction to him. Um, the end of this film, when uh, you know they're at the meeting and they're like, you know, it's it's gone and they're having the always having the conversation with memory Clementine about like why he left and everything. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you know, I wish you'd stayed. And he was like, I wish I'd stayed too. I wish I'd done a lot of things. I wish I'd stayed. I felt like a scared little kid. I was just like, it was above my head. I don't know. I thought you knew that about me. And she's like, you know, what if you stayed this time? And it's so sad. You know, they're on the beach. It's dark Stuff's disappearing. And he's like, you know, I walked out the door. There's no memory left. And she just tells him, "Come back and make up a goodbye at least. Let's pretend we had one."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it just like and
2: then that it's was gone. the screenshot. Yeah, whenever they're they're uh, right before she says, "Meet me in Montauk." That that was my what uh, my wallpaper <laughs> for a while. Um, but yeah, no, that whole exchange at the end is just so. Again, I think it's not without its like little quirky moments of humor. Um, you know this whenever she's like uh she sneaks in and and lets him in and then he's like um, you know he's he's more nervous about it he's like okay they're broke, they're breaking into someone's house right like it's yeah. it's uh, she's
1: like whatever it's our house <laughs> do you want to be do you want to be exactly, david or do you want to be like, ruth i'm partial to ruth <laughs> but you know i'm flexible
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> but just like even that part where she's like so go and then he starts going and then um they're having like this really meta acknowledgement of that moment and it's like did i what what was it like he's like oh you said so go with such disdain and then just the way she responds she's like oh i'm sorry like it's just kind of like the funniest tone because it's you know it's it's memory clementine um but it's like you know it has that little moment but then it has like these really just like really beautiful encapsulating moments of their relationship and just like yeah i had there were so many things i wish i would have done Um, Mm -hmm. and even like, I wish we had a better goodbye if, you know, if it, if it did have to end, I wish we could at least have had that. And, uh, and then I just love like this shot of them, um, Rob and, um, Jane Addams character, uh, driving him away. And it's like, I saw you talking to somebody pretty and it's like, yeah, it's just, just some girl. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, oh, and then it goes, you know, it's the last one. Um, that moment just gets me every time still, it's just so beautifully shot and, tragic and sad and gutting it's It's
1: absolutely gutting. yeah yeah i think you put this note in here sean but this movie is mostly i think you're right it's about it's about acceptance Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and uh, yeah i really like what you said there sean
0: yeah uh where i said love is taking the other person for who they are not who you want them to
2: be yeah yep exactly and not like this idealized version of of what love it you know it's like seeing the realness and understanding like yeah some of the tensions you know did person two personalities coming together two ways of looking at the world coming together there's going to be tension and that's part of it and being being like willing to do that with someone because that's real it's not like you know it's having relationships where it's like at the first fight you run away or you kick yeah. someone to the curb or whatever like if that's what, if you're expecting like this kind of perfection or this idealized, you know, romantic rom-com style life with someone, you're going to be disappointed every time. And and I, I, you know, I think this is just a really great metaphor for that. Like, no, I know that there are going to be things that we clash on. I know that things that there there are things I do that are going to annoy you, that you're not going to like about me. And... Like, let's hold that as well as this other piece that it's like, I am like just so magnetically drawn to you and care about you and I want to see you and I like what you bring to my life. You know, being able to hold both of those things, it it is it it makes for a much stabler relationship, I think.
1: Yeah, I think this was the first film I ever saw that really depicted the messiness of love and Mm -hmm. all the goes into that it's not all just sunshine it's not all just sunshine and rainbows it's not all just like horrible i mean it's it's all of it
0: yeah and it's not even just just the the clumsiness. like it's the banality like they're bored with each other the intimacy and their frustration fickleness you know rapture pain it everything you can feel in a relationship they they can feel and i'm sure there's more than they that the movie you know can't show everything that can't be two weeks long two years 10 uh, 50 years long i wish you know, I, know. I know i would, <laughs> I would, watch two I would never podcast. turn it off <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i mean it, and that's what a true relationship is like it's not like you said sunshine and rainbows all the time it's going to be all those things it's and it's accepting that those things are going to happen and it's coming out stronger for it
2: hmm Yeah. I, I think um this this really turned me on to like a specific type of like subgenre of rom-com slash romantic drama of like, yeah, like I would want I would count five hundred days of summer as, as part of this. Like um there's like recent movie like past lives, like movies that kind of look more um philosophically and existentially at what love is like and how it looks across you know, how it can be very messy, how it can be like you know, this idea of, like, fate um, or or not, you know? Like, there's so many different ways to look at it. Um, but, yeah, this definitely uh, got me on a kick of really wanting to see more more of this represented, like, more messiness in relationships on screen. I think, like, for me, uh, Clayton, that I, I you know, I resonated with that, too, like, watching that at that point in my life. I was like, whoa, this is cool because it's real and it's not over-idealized and it's not um, just, like, I don't know, like, I think even just, like, the messiness of it makes it makes love exciting sometimes. And Absolutely. maybe that's the impulsive I'm... or, like, thrill-seeking side of me or something. Yeah, but... <laughs> like, obviously, you know, I
1: love rom-coms. We've talked about while you were sleeping and stuff, and it's wonderful. Yeah. But I almost think they can be kind of damaging <laughs> as, like, a young person and thinking, like, oh, that's what it's supposed to be like before mm-hmm. your brain really, like, comprehends, like, oh, it's a movie, it's a story. And just uh, being really disappointed in life that, you know, it's not like that and uh, so i really appreciate movies like this that show like the range of what a relationship is like and what love can be like and you know some of the hurdles you might run into of you know just accepting another person and you know people aren't it's not like you know a jigsaw puzzle where it's like oh you complete me here's this piece like boom done um so I think movies like this are actually, like, really important. I wish I had seen this, like, <laughs> more than, you know, like, Sweet Home Alabama. I wish I'd, like, watched this. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like I would have had much more, like, realistic view of uh, being a grown-up and falling in love and what that was like and everything. But I love yeah. Sweet
2: Home Alabama, though. I will give you that. I, oh, I, <laughs> I do, do, too. I, I fucking way. love rom-coms. Like, <laughs> I, I
1: absolutely adore them. But <laughs> watching them as a teenager when you don't comprehend, like, just how much of, like... <laughs> Uh, a fantasy some of these stories can be yeah
2: yeah yeah I mean it's so funny too because I even remember like I was always a very um like emotional person as as a kid very like in my feelings and I would have crushes a lot in Mm -hmm. elementary school and I was watching like Saved by the Bell at the time so again like the things I was watching was informing how I was like acting in a relationship or the things that I thought you were supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I, you know, seeing this, like for a while, it kind of messed me up. And, and I was, again, I was in my, like, especially um, cynical era, I guess at that time uh, going into college after seeing this, but um, it made me think about love in this really like kind of bleak, messy way. And over the years, like I said, it's gotten, to me, it's more hopeful actually, because it's more realistic. But that contrasted a lot against those, you know, rom-com feelings that are just purely happy and it's purely romantic and you just feel warm and fuzzy and it's like, okay, and and that's great and there's a place for that. And yeah, sometimes I just like want to see blanket. Like, my it's reality. Cozy. Yeah. I want to see my reality reflected though. And my reality is much more, much messier, <laughs> way fucking messier. Life
1: is. Life is messy. And I mean, there's you know, sweet, sappy rom-coms. Then you go to the other end and there's, you know, like Closer and uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, like just the really vicious, vicious sides of of love and everything. And then this kind of sits in the middle that I think is a really just cool representation. And it just holds such a special spot for me. Like, I don't think I've ever just watched this movie and not had a very visceral reaction to it. And again, like it's been in my life since I was in my late teens and I'm 35 now and I've seen this, I don't know how many times. And like, I get something different out of it every single time mm-hmm. from where I've at in my life and what I've learned about life and love and people. And yeah, just, this is one of those movies that's just like, wow. Well, like it's just, yeah. So yeah. I think we've, I uh, think we've done it. Uh do you have any final thoughts, either of you? And what would you rate this?
2: This is a five star movie for me. Yeah, absolutely this is five stars. <laughs> it's it's like it has remained on my letterbox. You know, firmly, it's never gonna move from my top films. Um, it is technically, you know, acting wise, script wise, just a marvel. It's just like to me, it's like peak. You know, movie about love. It's my favorite one. It is. And again, like I, you know, I've known people who don't like this movie or it's like too much for them or it's too weird and confusing. And it's and it's so fun to be able to watch it and like feel at home in all the craziness. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. it's not it doesn't feel confusing to me. It doesn't feel too weird. It feels. Yeah, exactly I do like I want it to feel. Yeah, it's like it's and actually narratively speaking, it's pretty like straightforward. I mean, if mm-hmm. you can get the bigger concept, it's not it's not like an abstract, um, you know, indie pretentious kind of like um everything is no. <laughs> symbolic and you know it's like no you can follow the story and...
1: it's not like the finale of the curse you know
2: <laughs> I haven't watched that yet so yeah uh, I will no and, again, on it but it is there is there are places for things like that and it's just like yeah. this one just kind of hits a lot of different um you know things that I love about film things that I love about storytelling in in this perfect way so yeah for me I will always happily share this movie with people I will sing its praises till I die. Um, I'll quote it still, even if people have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, love this movie forever and ever five stars, hundred percent, etc.
1: What about you, Sean? Is this is just fives across the board. I feel like, it uh, is. Oh,
2: this is, a, this is
0: fives across the board. Of course. Um, yeah. I, I don't even have anything to add. It's, this is a perfect movie. It really yeah. is. And, <laughs> five stars. It, perfect. Film. There's years. You know, like it's, everything about it just sings um and i there are very few movies that just everything comes together so perfectly and this one does mm. and it'll you know it'll last forever thankfully
1: uh, Aria will say, "Whoever in your life just doesn't like this. You don't need that kind of negativity." <laughs>
2: <laughs> I yeah. I think one time I tried to show it to my parents, and they just they just weren't getting it. And maybe now, um, you know, my mom. I mean, it is mom a, it's a—it's a—it's a little high
1: get. concept, but
2: it is, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think it's more like I think I had an in-law who like hated it, and I and I didn't. Uh, I didn't meet this person before she passed, but um, but I always think that story is so funny because it's like I can I can see that I can see like someone coming into this movie and being like what the hell is this like how am i supposed to understand all this weird shit
1: (laughs) i will say in the the scope of charlie kaufman uh screenplays this is one Uh, of the easiest ones to yes
0: i agree absolutely
1: uh, a lot of his stuff, but I mean, if you're I, much I, I,
0: more of a while you were sleeping kind of person, this is a little... exactly. <laughs> this could be a lot. Uh, exactly.
1: <laughs> Obviously, we're not knocking while you were sleeping because that's no, 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 a no. perfect. Film, oh yeah. but...
0: <laughs> but for some people, like that is the extent of drama they want. Like yeah. some people just can't handle it, and mm-hmm. so if that if that is your extent of drama that you can handle, this is not great for you. <laughs> this yeah, is exactly. gonna be a lot. Agree, but
1: I will say, you know, you're missing out. Um, yeah. Yes. Perfect film. Uh, this movie did uh, fairly well on a budget of 20 mil. It grossed $73.3 million, opening behind Dawn of the Dead in its first weekend, Passion of the Christ in its fifth week, Taking Lives, remember that one, uh, in its first week. Uh, Starsky and Hutch was in its third, Secret Window was in its second, and Return of the King was in its 15th week, still in wide release, coming in at number 11 on the box office, which wow astonishing on letterboxd this has a score of 4.2 you know we all know a perfect film is 3.9 so this is even better
0: honestly that might be one of the highest we've we've had isn't it it's
1: uh we've had at least one that was a 4.3 or 4.4 but yeah it's a it's up there we don't often see things above a four um ari what do you want to plug Where can people find you?
2: Yeah, uh, you all can find me on X, on Instagram, uh, at the T-H-E-A-R-I-D-R-E-W, the R-E-Drew. And we can talk about all these complex, messy, romantic movies. I do. I'm a big fan of Closer, too. I know that's come up a couple of times, and that was the same year as this. Yeah. Um, but Good yeah, movie just, for
1: messy me. relations. Good year for messy relationships on screen.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, it was <laughs> just what I needed at the time. But yeah, you're welcome to, you know, reach out to me there, and and we can commiserate and be, uh, be little emo, um, emo kids together.
1: Yeah. And uh, weren't you just on Horror Queers for something? Recently? I'm about
2: to be actually. Um, I'm about to record my 2024 um, episode, so that'll actually be out. We're recording that next month. So keep an eye out for that because I will be yep, popping up uh, and I'm excited for what we're covering, which I'm not going to spoil right now because they would be angry with me, but uh, <laughs> so I'm really excited about it. You don't and want to of... be in just
1: bad place.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. No, and so it's very, it's a very me movie. And I, I hope that, you know, y'all can check that out too. Oh, absolutely. Oh, always do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's an Ari episode. Gotta listen. Yeah. Uh,
1: if you want to find us on the socials, we're on Twitter, Blue Sky, Instagram, Facebook. You can find us at triple M pod with three M's. Uh, you can find Sean and I. We're on Twitter and Blue Sky. And also, if you want to see what we're watching, we're on letterboxed and serialized. I am at just happy to see you. Number two, letter C, letter U. Sean, yours is.
0: I'm Murph the Smurf. M U R P H T H E S M U R P H.
1: And if you wanna email us some lovely, thoughtful things or, you know, something you want us to cover or something, our email is men who like men who like movies pod at gmail.com and Sean, what are we watching next week that we have already recorded?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we are sticking with the Which is funnily enough, we're actually going back to 1994, which we talked about with Jim Carrey a little bit here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, We are talking about Pulp Fiction. It's a very
1: fun episode. So uh, please don't forget to give us a five star rate, maybe even a review if you have time. It helps so much. And if you want to not sign up for our Patreon and miss out on all that stuff, there's a link in the description where you could donate like a dollar a month to the pod. Don't forget to be kind to people. It is very hard out there these days, and especially January is a rough for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't cost anything to be nice. You don't know what people are going through. Ari, thank you so much again for coming. We love every time we get to yes. talk to you. Uh, oh,
2: thank you. So We thank love you having you. you for
1: coming out and talking about existential crisis of the heart. And uh, I do want
0: to s- <laughs> I do wanna say one thing. So you we've done a really, really sweet rom-com we've done the medium rom-com what well, is gonna be your next one <laughs> <laughs> right like, oh yeah
2: maybe like, going to be closer maybe we're gonna go full on <laughs> I will a
0: say, terrible we are co- humans
1: uh, little insight we are covering closer next month so it won't be closer i'm so sorry oh, but um, it's fine i'll
2: find something else that i'll that'll throw your way that's gonna just be just edically,
1: dripping acid like, gut-wrenching just... yeah
2: <laughs> totally yeah. Yeah, that way you have you run the full gamut, you know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I have many many layers to me, so yes, I'm totally down for this. Yes, like an onion. Like onions. (laughs) 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 Uh, In closing,
1: just treasure your memories, and you know, life has a lot of different experiences, and embrace them. Anyway, until next time, everybody. Bye. Bye. (music) mm <music>